If you are regular here at New Hope and you recognize that there are a few familiar faces that you usually see here at New Hope that aren't here today, they didn't, um, they didn't all decide to skip church on one day, but they're up in Bram for our first practice run of our Bram campus. And we're so excited because you know, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of really great churches up in Bram. But with that being said, there's a lot of people who are still haven't been reached up in Bram with the good news of Jesus. And so we're so excited about what New Hope in Bram is going to be able to do. And we have a team of about 50, 55 people on our launch team that are up there right now. And they're, as of this point, I think they've set up and torn down the Bram Event Center about three or four times. And so they're practicing getting ready for our big launch. But I wanted to kind of point this out as just a reminder of who we are as New Hope Community Church. That we are a church that plants churches because we believe that every community should have a church and should have a place where they can know Jesus. So before I jump into my sermon this morning, I just want to say a quick word of prayer over our Bram campus and just encourage the team. So let's, let's bow our heads together before we get started this morning. God, we thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity to serve you in new and refreshing and exciting ways And God, I just pray for the launch team that's up there right now as they prepare for the next few weeks just practicing church and then our launch just in three weeks. It's an amazing thing to see, you know, the work that you've done already in that community. And so we're so thankful, God, that you have that you have placed us there. And would you just encourage the team and be with them and remind them that you are with them through everything. It's exhausting to set up and tear down, it's exhausting to plant a new campus, but God, we know that you are our God and no one else is. And God, you will give us energy, you will give us opportunity, and we just trust you with this campus. And it's in your name I pray, amen. Well, childbirth is an incredibly painful experience, am I right? Great segue, huh? But childbirth is. Childbirth is one of the most painful experiences on this earth, aside from stubbing your toe. But I remember... I remember a year and a half ago, spending four days in the hospital with when my brand new baby girl, Izzy, was born. And everybody talks about how painful it is to, to give birth to a child. But man, I was standing there for eight hours, and I'm standing there by Maddie's bedside. I'm holding her hand. She goes through contractions that she's pushing, and I'm thinking, this is really painful. Like, my back is killing me. My feet are cramping. Luckily, I have my Crocs on, but my feet were cramping. I could have used a glass of water. I could have used a little back rub, a little neck massage, you know, but, but it's amazing. As you, as you talk about the pain of childbirth, you know, everybody says, you know, once you hold the baby for the first time, you just forget about it, and I did. I feel like my back just healed up, and, and it was great. Uh, obviously, I'm kidding. Yeah, I got to give a little credit to my wife, because this might be TMI, but she pushed for eight hours. Eight? I'm like, man, get some butter. Like, let's get that thing out of there. It's crazy. <laughs> Eight hours, but I'll never forget, like those four days in the hospital, the emotional ups and downs, I didn't get any sleep, just running on pure adrenaline. I was exhausted, but it was amazing, surreal experience. If you're a parent or a grandparent, you know what it's like. And when we took Izzy home for the first time, man, it was exhausting, but it was good. It was finally like, all right, we're home. This is us. This is our family. We pulled into Cambridge. I dropped Maddie and Izzy off at home. And I went out to run some errands around town a little bit. And my first stop was McDonald's, because that's how I treat myself. And I pulled into McDonald's. I ordered my three McChickens, my strawberry shake, and my medium Coke, because I was hungry. I pull around. I order my food. I pull around. I pay for it. And the lady gives me my food. I put it on the seat next to me. She gives me my drinks, put them in the cup holder. And this is where it gets weird. 
I'm sitting in my van, got, you know, I got my arm up, my hand on the steering wheel, and I'm just staring at the girl. After she gives me everything, and I've already paid for it, I'm just staring. And I swear, this felt like an eternity. It was probably 10, 15 seconds, but I'm just staring. And she says, can I help you? And I said, yeah, I'm just waiting. And she said, did you get your food? Yeah. You paid, right? Because you were just at the window? Yeah, I paid. She's like, did you need anything else? At this point, I realized, oh, crap. This is really uncomfortable. This is, I'm just staring at this fast food worker, just no reason. I'm sitting there, I mean, for real, so uncomfortable. Like 20 seconds had gone by, and I realized, uh, this is awkward. I put my foot on the gas and just drove away. <laughs> just drove away. And I'm thinking, what did I just do? The worst part about this is this girl who's a fast food worker, she had come to youth group on and off for like the last year. And so like, I had seen her probably you know, eight, ten times. Didn't really have like, much of a relationship, but we knew each other. And I love, you know, when, when you make an awkward moment, like really, really uncomfortable, there's nothing better than driving away because you know you'll never see that person again. But not with this case. Like I still see her. It's still like, yeah, you remember the moment? Yeah, whatever. But I was so uncomfortable. I ended up messaging her on Instagram, and I was like, hey, I'm sorry, I just had a kid, I've been in the hospital for four days, I'm exhausted, I, just, I was just like out of it completely. And she sends back, dot, 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 it's okay. I'm like, <laughs> no, like, hey, it's okay, it happens to all of us, whatever. No, I felt so awkward. I put her in such an uncomfortable situation, I put myself in such an uncomfortable situation, I should not have been there, I should have just drove off, and it would have been fine. But as I think about this excruciatingly painful, awkward moment, I put it in context of what we're talking about right now in church, volunteering and stepping into our calling where God wants us to be. We will always be uncomfortable when we are not where God wants us to be. All of us. We will always feel uncomfortable when we are not where God wants us to be. I remember when I was a teenager, I became a Christian when I was about 17 years old, and I'm going through church. I'm like, all right, this is what it's like, right? We go to church on Sundays. We raise our hands during worship. We read the Bible. During the week, we go to work. We go to school. We maybe read the Bible a few times. We pray a little bit. Then we come back to church. But every time I would walk into church, I had this weird feeling. I had this weird feeling that I was not doing something. I was not participating in the way that I should have been participating. Like there was something missing. And this is what I mean by it becomes uncomfortable. Because all of us have gifts. All of us have God-given specific skills that are given to us. And when we are not using them to glorify God, serve God, and serve people with them, we will feel uncomfortable. I remember sitting in church thinking like, man, I, there's a lot of things I could do, but pff, other people are doing them. There's a lot of things I could do, but I don't got time. Like, oh, somebody else will do it. But because of that, I was never fully living the way that God wanted me to live. I loved God. I wanted to learn more about him. He loved me. But there was something missing, and there was that piece of, as Christians, we need to serve God. And so over the past few weeks, we've been talking about volunteering and, and getting out and serving. And we've talked about, you know, how God is our CEO, how God is the head. He is the one that we serve. We're not serving because we want to make ourselves feel good. We're not serving just for the sake of serving people. We are serving because we believe that God is our God and we are serving him and we are obeying what he has called us to do. And then last week, Bill talked about how it takes a crowd 
You know, it takes a crowd to serve. It takes a lot of people to make, you know, New Hope function and churches function. And it takes a crowd to work together for one common goal. But today I want to talk about how you have been given a specific gift. You have been given a specific calling by God to use your gifts to serve his church and to serve his kingdom and serve people. Back in 2012, I was a freshman at the University of Northwestern, and I knew exact physical therapists, one of those two, and I remember thinking, all right, this is me. I love sports. I love being active. This is going to be the perfect spot for me. I showed up to my first week of classes, and I had a health class that I was so excited about. Halfway through the class, I was bored out of my mind. They were talking about bones and like health and stuff, and I was like, this, is, this isn't what I want to do. <laughs> I mean, if you're in the health field, like, good for you, man. But that is not my passion at all. And I realized that when I got into college. And so I went to the registrar's office. I changed my major to business. And I thought, I'm going to be a business guy. I had always thought kind of of running my own business, of selling clothes and selling shoes, similar to Tom's shoes, where, you know, every time we'd sell a shirt, we'd give away a shirt. Every time we'd sell a pair of shoes, give away a pair of shoes, something like that. And I thought that was perfect because not only am I doing what I feel like I should do and being business, but hey, I must be serving God because I'm giving stuff away, right? I'm helping. About a year into that, I was sitting in one of my accounting classes, and we're talking about accounts payable and accounts receivable, which is so exciting, right? These two guys in the front row, they started arguing, like a friendly argument, but started arguing about how a certain check, should it be entered into this line item or this line item on a spreadsheet? 25 minutes go by, the professor's getting involved, they're talking, they're arguing, and I'm like, this is not where I want to be. <laughs> I do not want to spend the rest of my life arguing about where checks should go, where they shouldn't go. Right? So I'm sitting in the back of the classroom like, man, what the heck am I going to do with my life? And it hit me. Three weeks later, I'm walking out of that same accounting class in Nazareth Hall, walking down the steps, get to the third floor, and I stopped in my tracks. And it was like I couldn't take another step. And I had felt this feeling before. You know, the time I became a Christian, when I gave my life to Jesus, I, didn't, I wasn't in church. Nobody was talking to me about Jesus. I had this overwhelming like, presence of God come into my life, and I could do nothing else besides give my life to Jesus. And the same exact thing just happened. I stopped on the steps, and it was like this overwhelming presence of something other than myself keeping me from taking one more step, and I had this this voice, this call, this feel in my heart that said, you need to get into ministry and become a pastor. So what did I do? The next step I took, I walked straight to the registrar's office. I changed my major to get on track to being a pastor. And here I am today. But the best thing that I did after sensing that call was I started calling some mentors. I started calling some, is this a real call from God? Is this you, my family members? And I, and I would ask them, hey, is this where, you know, is this a real call from God? Is this, you think I could be a pastor? You think I'd be a good one? Do you think I have the gifting to do it? Do you think I have the personality to do it? Like, you guys know me best. Should I do this? Is this God's call? Because we should never put something on God that's not his voice, right? We don't want to follow our hearts. We want to follow God's call. We don't want to follow the world. We don't want to follow ourselves. We want to follow the Bible and what God wants us to do. And I did not want to say, hey, God called me to ministry. And then 10 years down the road, think, man, this is not where I need to be. <laughs> Round three. 
But after those phone calls, they confirmed that, hey, this is, this is probably a, a call from God and you should pursue this. And, and here I am today, like I said. But my point in this, and we're going to get to First Kings here in a second, is we will always feel uncomfortable. We will always feel like we are not where we need to be if we're not following God's call. And I know some of you might be thinking, wow, God's call, that sounds really spiritual. God has given me a gift? Like, that sounds really crazy. Like, isn't that just for pastors? If that's how we're thinking, we need to listen for God's voice. We need to not only be in the Bible, be in Scripture, reading and hearing his voice in the Word, but when you pray, is it just one way, or are you listening for God's voice in your life? God is speaking to us in different ways. And God has a call for each and every one of us. And I encourage you to step into your calling. Our scripture this morning is from 1 Kings chapter 7. And if you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen for you, so no worries there. But as we read this verse, or these, these couple verses, it's going to sound like, where in the world are you going with this? Because this is a really detailed and it's passage, and it seems really obscure for what we're talking about. But I promise you, there's some deep application for every single one of us sitting here this morning. When Pastor Bill gave me this passage just a few weeks ago, he told me, hey, in a few weeks I want you to preach on this. I read it and I was like, huh? On volunteering? What are we talking about? But here we go. First Kings chapter 7. King Solomon, as he's building the temple, King Solomon, he sent to Tyre and brought Haram, whose mother was a widow from the tribe of Naphtali and whose father was from Tyre and a skilled craftsman in bronze. Haram was filled with wisdom, with understanding, and with knowledge to do all kinds of bronze work. He came to King Solomon and did all the work that was assigned to him. He cast two bronze pillars, each 18 cubits high and 12 cubits in circumference. Wow, that's deep, isn't it? I'm kidding. You can laugh if you want to. (laughs) He also made two capitals of cast bronze. He set them on the tops of the pillars. Each capital was five cubits high. Let me skip to verse 21. He erected the pillars at the portico, which is the front of the temple, and the pillar to the south he named Jachin, and the one to the north he named Boaz. Now, like I said, it kind of seems obscure. It kind of seems like a random passage. You're not going to see this on a coffee mug. You're not going to see it on a white girl's Instagram page. But what we see here is Haram was a skilled craftsman. And right now, Solomon is building the temple. To understand the importance of what we're doing here, what Haram is doing here, we have to first understand what is the purpose of the temple. Well, this temple is in Jerusalem. And at the very center of the temple is what we have called a place called the Holy of Holies. This is where the Ark of the Covenant, which is God's very presence, is being stored in this box called the Ark of the Covenant. So what are we gaining here? We're starting to understand that this isn't just a building. This isn't just a, you know, another church or another temple in Israel. This is the place where God's very presence is being stored. And so if this is where God's presence is being stored, what we're learning here is this isn't just a place where people come to learn about God, where they come to talk about God or just read more of the Bible. This is a place where the people of God would experience his very presence in their life. They could walk into the temple and know that they are in the place where the very presence of God is being stored. And so no matter what they're going through in life, 
whether they're going through divorces, whether they're going through you know, addictions, whatever they're going through, highs or lows in life, they know that they're coming to a place where the very presence of God is. And this is where the pillars come in. Haram knew and loved God, and he knew that these pillars needed to be strong, they needed to be beautiful, and they needed to be significant. And so he gave them names. And when we know in the Bible when something is named, we need to perk up and listen. We need to understand what those names mean. And so he names one of them Jachin, which means established by God. And he names the other one Boaz, which means in his strength. He wanted people to know that every single time, no matter what they were going through in life, He wanted every single person to know that this was going to be a place where they could come and be established by God in their relationship with him. That they could come and be given given strength that no matter how weak or how distant they might feel, no matter how much life seems to be just rolling them over and it's just problem after problem after problem and it's just discouragement after discouragement, they they could come and be given God's strength. What we need to understand about what we're doing here at New Hope And when we ask you to step out and to volunteer, to serve, whether it's here at New Hope or out in the community, what we need to understand about why we're doing this is we're not just asking you to volunteer and serve because we think it's a really good idea for you to do. We're not just asking you to step out and serve because we need a high-functioning church so we can get more things done. We are asking you to serve because we want to understand what we're truly doing here at New Hope. We are not building a place that, oh, it's a great place to be. Oh, people are so nice there. Oh, they help the food shelf. Oh, they help needy families. We are building a place where people can come in and be established in their relationship with him. We are building a place that no matter what people are going through, they can come to New Hope and be given the strength that's from God. Because I'm telling you, there's so many, and so many of us are sitting here today feeling discouraged, feeling distraught, feeling broken in our lives right now. Why do we come to church? To be encouraged, to meet with God, to ask for strength, to worship him, because we know that there is nothing else in this world, nothing else in this life that can give us the power and the peace and the contentment in this life than what God can give. It is only God, it is always through God, it is only about God. Everything that is good comes from God. This is what we are building here at New Hope. This is what every church seeks to build. And so our encouragement is that you step out and be a part of what God is doing, not only in your life, but but about what's happening here at New Hope. And we need to understand that all of us have specific God-given skills, God-given talent, God-given gifts that we can use to continue to build what he has called us to build. And that is a place where people can come and be established, be encouraged, and be given strength. We're not asking you to volunteer and serve because we just need more people. We are asking you to volunteer and serve because we want to see what God can do in you and what God can do through you. That the people you know in your life that are far from God can now know God because they know somebody who is helping build this place where God's presence is. And so I want to encourage you to step out and use the gifts that you have. And I know some of you might be thinking, I have zero gifts. (laughs) I'm not talented. I'm not smart. I'm not this. I'm not that. But those are lies from our enemy. You might think that just because you're a plumber, you can't do it. You might think that just because, and I'm a doctor, I haven't really been to church in a long time. 
Those are lies from the enemy trying to keep us from serving God's kingdom. God has given all of us specific gifts. You know, I was having a conversation with my brother-in-law a few months ago when I was remodeling my kitchen, and I'm standing in the middle of my kitchen. I had just knocked down a wall, so I'm standing in the middle of just a, a pile of basically garbage. My house is like down to the studs, and I'm thinking, what did I get myself into? And so I call my brother-in-law, I call a few other people, and I'm talking to Mark, who's my brother-in-law, and he's like, yeah, I can come on and help you on Saturday. I was like, perfect. There's going to be like three or four more guys from New Hope, and, and we're just going to get some work done and hopefully knock out a bunch of stuff. And he stopped me. He said, Justin, do you realize how lucky you are to be at New Hope? And I said, I don't, yeah, it's a great church. It's a great place to be. I love it. He said, no, really. There, you know how many pastors could call on, what, 50-plus people in their church that are skilled plumbers, that are skilled carpenters, that are skilled electricians, that are skilled concrete masons, that are skilled landscapers, all this stuff? It's like, do you realize how much labor can happen because of the people of New Hope? He's like, honestly, just like, I can't do that at my church. He was down in the cities at a church. He's like, you know, we got people who have never touched a shovel. <laughs> we got people who don't know how to swing a hammer. But you've got a base of a ton of people, and I realized... We're a unique church. You know, not many churches or people could put together a muddy, nasty 5K with 30-plus obstacles that takes over nine months to, to plan and to execute, but we did it because we're serious when Jesus says to take care of the poor, and we raised money for the food shelf. We got down and we worked. That was hard work. I watched people out here, because I didn't do anything. No, I'm kidding, I did. But I watched people put together obstacles, and I'm thinking... Man, this takes skilled people so that people, when they run it, don't die. <laughs> like, they need to be safe, right? And it made me realize that we have so many unique gifts here at New Hope. And just because we're not teachers or pastors, you might be a plumber or a carpenter or a nurse, whatever you might be, you don't have to be a pastor to serve God's kingdom. You don't have to be a teacher or a leader to serve in God's church. You have been given a gift. I was just down in AC and I'm preaching, like I'm getting fired up like you usually do. And I got sweat dripping down my back. You know why? Because our AC just went out about a month ago. And this is a perfect time to say, hey, you don't need to be a pastor. You can work in AC, right? And help fix this church, right? We need people who are skilled in different ways. God has made you craftsmen. God has given you gifts. Not just so that you can have a career Man, so that you can help build God's church, so that you can serve God and help build a place where people can be established and given strength in their relationship with him. And that's a beautiful thing. And I want to show you the results of this. There's a great testimony that we just had from a kid who, or a mom who had a couple kids in our Roar VBS camp from this past summer. And she said, I wanted to tell you, at Roar camp, my son decided to follow Jesus and that he is his savior. And my daughter decided that a few months back. Both my kids enjoyed the week and they did not want it to be over. They have already asked if they can go next year. Thank you and the staff for a great camp and experience for the kids. You are changing lives and I'm excited to be a part of it in Bram. This is why we do what we do. When she says that her son and her daughter decided to follow Jesus recently, not because of what New Hope has done, but because you have used your gifts and because you have stepped out and you volunteered in Hope Kids. 
know, we see this kind of stuff happening all the time at New Hope. You know, the, the little personal note, I'll throw a little shameless plug in for youth group. But in the last two years, we've seen over 40 students give their lives to Jesus at youth group. We've seen over 20. Amen. Yeah, go ahead, clap. We've seen over 25 get baptized just in the last two years. I'm not saying, hey, it's because I stepped out and used my gifts. If there's another youth pastor here, more could have gotten saved. Who knows? It's not about what we can do. It's about what God does through us. Man, if you're nervous about stepping out into your calling or your gifting, whether it's Hope Kids, Hope for Life Recovery, Hope Students, or whatever it might be, being a greeter at the front door, don't think of how uncomfortable it might be. Don't think, well, man, I'm too shy or I'm too awkward or whatever it might be. Think of how God can not only work through you, but in you. You know, I've had the opportunity to walk through countless students who have felt abandoned by their parents, who are struggling with their sexuality, who are struggling with substance abuse themselves, not their parents, but themselves, and they're only in middle school or high school. Man, that's some, that's some dirty stuff to walk through, and it's tough. But my faith has grown stronger knowing that even though we struggle, even though there are issues, even though there are problems deeper than what we have even the strength or the power to to overcome, God will always be in it. So if you're not stepping out into your calling, your gifting, if you're not stepping out and serving in in some way here at New Hope, I want to encourage you that God's not only going to work through you, he's going to work in you. And just like the purpose of the temple was so that people could come and be in the very presence of God, God will be with you every single step of the way. And you're going to experience him in different ways that you've never experienced before. And so I encourage you, step out. Talk to God about what your calling is. Listen for God's voice. There's those little I'm in cards on your chairs. Don't think, oh, there's another week where there aren't chairs. Crap, I got to fill it out. (laughs) We put those on your chair strategically this morning because I want you to pray over that card. I don't want you to flip it over yet. I want you to spend some prayer over that card and think, God, where do you want me to be? What's my calling for my life? Where have you gifted me? And after you pray over it, I want you to flip it over and I just want you to read through some of the areas that we have here at New Hope. I'm telling you guys, I'd be an awful Hope Kids worker. I could fake it, but man, like that many little kids, that's so far out of my comfort zone. But I know for a fact that some of you sitting here this morning, you're passionate about kids. And you shouldn't go one more week without serving down in Hope Kids. I know some of you right now are passionate about teenagers. Some of you are afraid of them, and that's normal. (laughs) But some of you guys are passionate about teenagers. I don't want you to go one more day without calling me because I'm the youth pastor. I don't want you to go one more day without calling me or emailing me or talking to me and saying, Justin, I want to step out and serve. I know some of you who have gone through addictions yourself. Maybe you're six months clean. Maybe you're a month clean. Maybe you're 10 years or 30 years clean, whatever it is. You don't think that was for a reason? You know, we have a recovery ministry that meets here every single Thursday night. And like everything in church, we need people. Do you need to step out and serve in the way that God has gifted you to serve? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity to serve you. And we know that without your grace, without your mercy, without your sacrifice on the cross for us, without your resurrection from the dead, 
Lord, serving would just be in vain. It would be all for ourselves. And honestly, we probably wouldn't do it because we're sinful. But we know, Lord, because of your grace and because of your mercy and because of your personal transformation in our lives, we can now step in to serve you, to glorify you, to work for you, and to understand that this is not about gloating. It is not about boasting about, look what I've done. Look what I'm doing. Look at the results that I've had. It is all about you, God. And where you call us, we will go. So Lord, give us that call. Speak to us. Tell us where we need to be. Give us the motivation. Give us the willingness. And give us the opportunity to step out and serve you in the way that glorifies you. We love you, God. It's in your name I pray. Amen.